Welcome to a bonus, bonus episode of Decision Space that is brought to you by the crew of our interdecisional spaceship. If you would like to join our crew and pick the next topic for a bonus episode, you can support the show at patreon.com slash decision space. Welcome to Decision Space After Dark, the only show that takes place right here in the space between the sips of your favorite beer. I'm Jake Friedman. And I'm Brendan Hansen. And this is the podcast about decisions in games. And it's a bonus episode. Today we're to you. Oh, brought to you by our patrons. And today we're going to be answering all of Reddit r slash board games questions about board games so don't even worry about it y'all we've got you covered brendan why don't we get right into it so let me just give you the concept here basically i went on reddit r slash board games a place that i often go to look for just some of the absolute best discussion on board games happening anywhere and i've pulled a bunch of questions found on that site that people really need answers to for us to answer for everyone problem solved we're answering all their questions so these are all real questions that i found on reddit and most of them are just taken straight out of the title uh some of them i have a tiny bit more context but what i want you to do brendan is like let's just answer these like rapid fire like boom 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 solving all the problems they can you know after this on the internet all the problems on the internet you know like i don't know i think world peace step aside large language models i'm on chat gpt now okay that's the that's the take yeah are you ready ready i'm ready let's start hot what happened to the ameritrash genre brendan your thoughts Um, nothing. There's tons of <laughs> games that are made in that genre still. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. People decided to be pompous and say they didn't like fun things and stop buying them. I, I, I don't think it went anywhere. Yeah, we have had, we've gotten trouble. I've used the term Ameritrash before, so we're anti that. We're never going to say Ameritrash again after that just there. Um, but yeah, I think that these games are still around, still proud. Uh, have you been I mean, to Kickstarter? I just played Project Elite for the first time and it was very fun. So I think crisis averted Ameritrash genre. Damn it, I did it again. Still, <laughs> still here. Which ready for yeah. ready for your next question, Brendan? Let's do it. Okay, how do we de- how do we define what is and what is not a board game? <laughs> We made a whole show to just do that. Um, no, the early days of Decision Space, we talked about this way too much. Yeah, I know. I feel like every episode devolved into Jake and I just waxing about, oh, would it really be a game? Is this life really a game? Um, but anyway. <laughs> but we did have some conclusions. First of all, sports, definitely a board game. Definitely not a board game. <laughs> Wait, no, I think Mega Dexterity game. We've got, it's definitely, all right, so we disagree on that one. Is Magic uh, the Gathering a board game? Absolutely basically absolutely not (laughs) no oh god we have no consensus on that one brandon we have to come to a solution so we're solving problems we can't just leave people with lingering questions you know what they say rigid rigid uh we only like rigid definitions okay decision space i'll can we make just uh an accord an agreement if you give me sports in the board game space i'll let you have magic gathering not a board game okay i think i can't can't, no i can't can't, make that deal i can't do it okay what else can what can i throw in sports what else can i throw in to get sports i need (sighs) sports to be a board game it's like my whole thing curling is so close to crokinole 
Oh my God, dude. Okay, just think about like curl. Okay, think about any, think about Crokinole. Is Crokinole a board game? Well, okay, wait. I Brandon, is Crokinole a board game? No, answer the question, <laughs> well, sir. <laughs> no. Yes, well, okay. Are we talking board games or tabletop games? We're talking how do we define what is and what is not a board game? If it has a quote. board, it's a board game. Yeah, but Brandon, what is a board? How You're telling me a crocodile board is a board, but a soccer field is not? Oh. Open your mind. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. This is going to be a really fun, silly episode. Are we trying to answer this question? <laughs> okay, fine. We'll table it. We'll come back to it. Okay, okay we'll come back to it. I've got, idea, another, I've got another really important question for you, Brennan. How to make a board game dusty? This person wants to make their board game look dusty like it hasn't been touched in many years, but this game has been touched and isn't getting that dusty. <laughs> Okay, this one's easy. What you got to do is you get a hot car. Ideally, it has to be a car from like 1996, one of those like Honda Civic hatchbacks with a nice long window and a shelf in the back. So mm-hmm. you're going to get that car and you're going to drive it to the biggest mall parking lot full of concrete that you can find. Just blacktop as far as the eye can see. Even better if it has a parking garage. You're going to go to the top of the parking garage and you're going to park there facing the direction of the sun. You just want full exposure. You're going to pack it back back there and you're just going to leave it then while you're leaving it and you're going to leave it there for like three weeks four weeks you're going to go to the to home depot and buy some uh what's it called jake you know like uh soil dirt dirt <laughs> and you just you take that in the car and you you rub it a little bit maybe yeah. what you really want to do is you want to mix that into a bottle like a squirt bottle you know like you would use to spray plants or the at the barber they would spray you so mix a couple cups of soil and a bunch of water and then spray the board game while it's sitting in the back a few times okay let it bake i think you've got yourself let it bake dirty aged game i think i mean that was a great answer uh so (laughs) you're welcome we solved another one i was just gonna say maybe like put it aside and don't touch it for many years (laughs) no no we gotta do (laughs) voila yeah okay you 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 came up with the three-week solution um okay i've got two more questions i've got a bunch more but two that are kind of a pair so okay. the first one is that is roll and move mechanic really so bad? No, definitely. No, not. no. What's good about it? I mean, we got good examples of it. Yeah. Oh, it seems I love pretty bad on the spot. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't show <laughs> oh. Brendan any of these questions beforehand. So I have like all the power here. Okay. I think that there's random and move mechanisms that can actually work. The huge problem with roll and move games is so many of the games that we've historically played with roll and move mechanisms. It's all of the mechanisms that are around the roll and moving to actually suck. But I don't think there's anything intrinsically terrible about rolling dice and moving a certain number of spaces on a track. I bet you could do that in a really interesting way. Yeah, but I, it's sour. I agree. It's a poison pill. I like that. I mean, I think it'd be a fun design challenge for somebody. I, I totally so agree too. with you. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. Obviously, if like rolling high is strictly always better and better. there's no difference in spaces, that's probably not that interesting. But if there are lots of different reasons why you'd want to move far or short and or maybe there's like a cost associated or ways to mitigate what you roll there's no reason why this mechanism couldn't be done in an interesting way right we like rolling dice for a lot of things in board games why why can't movement be one of those things i will say Mm -hmm. if you listen to this episode and you're like wow that's a great idea i should design a roll and move game you're gonna have a really tough time pitching it to a publisher if that's your goal i think no matter how good your roll and move game is i think it's just a poison pill in people's minds right you have to be like uh you'd have to be a a known entity i I think think so yeah and i think you'd have to have a really good pitch of why roll and move 
move is the way to go for this specific game. But race games are really fun. I think there's a way that you could probably make it work. Rondells are interesting. There, there's things you could do. Um, so Redditor, who bravely posed this question to our yeah. board games, we're with you. Not so yeah, bad. Yeah, not, not so bad. Uh, Brendan, our higher, so the kind of corollary, our higher rated board games really that good. <laughs> So this person's talking about. Are they talk, I, I guess this is a separate person. Game. This is a separate question. I found. Okay. I just put together. Yeah, are higher rated games really that good? Brendan, your thoughts. This is a real question. We should, yes, I think that's sink in on this question. Not to okay. say that. How can I make my game dirty? <laughs> Dusty, <laughs> Brendan. Dusty God. wasn't a real question. Um, but I think there's a million yeah. reasons why you'd want your game to be dusty. I'm just I not going to enumerate them for you. But, right. Okay. This but is anyway, a, a yes uh, and no, right? Yeah. This for me, this is a hundred percent a yes and no. There's so many reasons why really uh, questionable games end up with very high ratings on Board Game Geek. People, tons of people before us have talked about how Kickstarter basically gives you this relationship to the game that you've invested money into, which was going to cause you to go out and validate the purchase that you've pumped into something, give you any desire to interact with a product that you don't yet have by going on to Board Game Geek and talking about how awesome it is, rating it highly because you're so excited to get it into your hands. And then I think there's a lot of games that are actually awesome. I'm going to name one that has way too low of a rating on Board Game Geek. 6.5, but it's great. It's called Set. It's from 1988. It's an old game. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think it perfectly correlates at all. You know, there's there's a number that you want to be above, probably. Yeah. And there's a number that once you get above, it's probably a bad sign. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of games that are rated above a nine where I don't think there's some shenanigans at play. Yeah, it's I there was a really interesting shut up and sit down conversation about ratings. I think they were talking about uh mobile markets or smartphone ink one of those games maybe both of those games and the conversation kind of devolved down to like the only ratings that matter on board game geek are like between like 7.2 and like 8.6 like like that's really the kind of like key thing where it's like below that is maybe largely not worth your time but there's like exceptions and then above that's like something kind of like funky is going on there so i would say no higher rated board games are not really that good it says everything about the rating system there are plenty of games that are rated lower than the highest rated ones that are much better for most people and all that's speaking to are the preferences of like the majority of people using that system which and isn't going to be the true for everyone. There's a lot of things at play here too that are sort of interesting, right? With Board Game Geek, it's a website that has been around a very long time at this point. And different number of games have different numbers of ratings, which impact how much a game moves. Um, I think sometimes people don't appreciate how much a game below 500 ratings, a 1 or a 10, can actually meaningfully kind of move the yeah. rating in a way that's pretty impressive. But then also, if you look at an old game, like Jake, I just played Tower of Babel, a Kinesia game from 2005. I played it at Geekway to the West. I thought it was awesome. This is a game that fell out of out of favor, out of vogue, and among Kinesia fans has kind of cropped back up as maybe this game had a few more interesting things going on, but, and it has 2.4K ratings on Board Game Geek, 2,400 ratings. And I, I don't know this for sure. I haven't gone through all of them, but I bet a lot of the ratings here are not recent ratings if you go back in time. Mm -hmm. um, so that means that the ratings here are going to be representative of a very different period of taste where people are comparing things to different types of games um, and the scale of what they're rating might be different as well, right? Like you can't always compare. You can only look at a, a single game in a vacuum and sort of, I think the distribution of ratings is probably even more accurate than comparing one game.
game to another rating because there's so okay. much that potentially changes when those ratings were made, etc. All right, this is getting dangerously serious, so I'm going to get us back on track here with a new question. Brendan, why is Heat so expensive? $75, what gives? $75 is cheap for a board game these days. That's <laughs> yeah. like that's not bad at all. I feel like, you know, what isn't expensive? My bananas are actually my bananas are cheap. I've been eating a lot of bananas lately because I can pump my toddler full of them. Um, Prices are going up in our industry. Maybe just, the shipping crisis is kind of coming down, but yeah. usually when prices on things go up in society, like in restaurants, like restaurants never lower prices. They only go up. So like once they hit that much and then they stay surviving because people are still buying their products and food, it's not coming back down. So I think that kind of inflation that we've seen in this industry, unfortunately, is, is here to stay. And it is too bad, obviously, that, uh, you know, it's a we're privileged to be able to play a bunch of different games. Playing online helps a lot with that. Um, but yeah, it's a this is a hobby is an expense always has been always will be. Um, so I have, wait, I have two thoughts. Can I, can I respond? I know we're keeping it silly, but I do think one reason for it and why we'll sort of see it creep up is it's just more expensive to make board games than it's ever been. That's a fact that will continue to be a fact for the rest of time. Every day that passes, it got a little, it'll get a little more, more expensive because of inflation. But during the pandemic, a lot of publishers got caught with games that they couldn't ship easily to the United States, which had a high shipping cost, uh, a storage cost of fee associated with it, right? If people print overseas, they get stuck with a big print run that they can't relocate physical products to the to wherever the destination is, whether it's, I said the United States, but the United States or Europe or wherever, they're paying storage fees. I think that I wonder, I speculate that publishers were probably riding a risk line a little bit more closely than they realize they're comfortable with now. And it's easier to say, you know, the world is a, a variable place. I need a little bit more margin on this game that I'm pretty sure is going to be a hit follow-up to a game that came out previously. I'm going to bump their price a little bit because the world is a pretty uncertain place. Also, $75 is a deal. Ticket to ride uh, Legacy. Do you see how much this game costs, Jake? Ticket to Ride Legacy. How much How much would that cost? I saw it. It's $125. $120. <laughs> I've, got, oh. I've, got, I've got another question for you. Uh, so I think we you know, we solved that one. That we Now we know why he is so expensive. Brendan, would you pay $300 for four-player bundle of the Company of Heroes Kickstarter? The, no. No, I would not. Okay, solve that I one. I would pay $30. <laughs> Okay, Brendan. Uh, here's another serious one. Board game rental business? Question mark. Your thoughts? No, don't do no. that. Yeah, it's no. It's a no from me too. How are you going to cover shipping costs? I don't know. It's you know. Oh. So we're not doing that. We're not it doing was board game for... rental businesses. No, and, and probably like I feel like board game restaurants are awesome. I have a there's like a board game cafe where I live, but I don't know that that's going to be like the most lucrative business model. Like it feels like one in a city of three million is that feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that all of these businesses, it's so the margins are just so brutal. I would love to have a board game rental market where I could just teleport a game into my house. Um, but I think it's just better to find friends with big collections. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Intuitive sense. Like why a board game rental would be awesome. Like, yeah. you know, once you sometimes you just want to play a game and then you're done with it. You don't need to own it. But unfortunately not. But again, I feel like we always, you know, we're not sponsored by Board Game Arena. Like what an incredible value. Five dollars for like premium board game arena is. Uh, and then Yukata, you can also play all the so many great games on there totally free you can also play free on board game arena 
hop in the discord we'll play games with you we'll invite you to premium games you don't even have to have it it's great okay i will say jake we we just got off recording a different episode and i went downstairs and i did see a package on the table so i brought it up to show you what it contained oh it's related to the question that just got asked it is it's company of heroes abu luxon (laughs) i just imported linko uh wolfgang kramer michael keasley game from europe i would have rather rented it but i bought it so yeah nice congratulations you look really happy with that copy of oblux and boo on me for saying that it was a bad idea to have a rental service yeah i'm importing games from germany so brendan thank you for the distraction but please can we get back on track i need to know how good is dice throne actually Actually, how good is Dice Throne? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not how good is Dice Throne, how good is Dice Throne actually. So I think with well, this person, no fluff here, Brendan, just actually how good is it? It's actually, I can't say because I haven't played it. I will say I've seen a lot of people playing it. Yeah. So it okay, must well, actually be actually fine, at least. It's fine. It's fine. I've played, I played one game of it. It's very much a Yahtzee variant with some really cool theming. There's plenty yeah. of roll and write or roll and play style games that I would personally prefer to play than Dice Throne just from a game mechanics perspective. But like if you love Marvel or something, it's fine. Brendan, is there anything to replace Will Wheaton's tabletop with? Please, no, people need no. to know. They've been asking. Okay, so this is, I can give a really good answer to because I too have a well deep inside my heart that will never be full again. Because what you want to replace is not Will Wheaton's tabletop. What you miss is the feeling that you got discovering tabletop games through other people's joy for the first time when you were watching a video on YouTube in 2011 or 12 or whatever it was and the immense rush of bliss seeing people enjoy games like that it it can't come back it was a blip in time it was beautiful it was special for many of us it created awesome memories but even if Will Wheaton's tabletop came back you'll never get the early aughts and the period of discovery back it's gone it's gone I can only think of one thing decision space podcast it's like the podcast about decisions in games it's really good i think you should listen to it really quickly (laughs) wait wait wait, jake did you watch did you ever watch tabletop yeah no i had the i think your answer is great i had that exact same experience like i think my first learning about i like found pandemic and then i watched like eight hours of shut up and sit down videos on youtube and i was just like scratching my neck like what else is there and like will wheaton uh tabletop got you know, in the into the queue pretty quickly, and I definitely watched it, enjoyed it back in the day. Um, have not found anything to replace it with. It hit at the. Per- I have to just go on. I know this is a silly question episode. There's a long list, but it also just hit at the perfect. The people time need where, answers. Where YouTube? <laughs> I know, I know, but like the the production was so nice because it wasn't too fast. It wasn't like the YouTube algorithm hadn't taken a razor to all content on YouTube to make it a really specific thing yet. Just like mm, so well produced. You know what though? I think there is a space for more like reality tv inspired by board games and that's actually something that's like happening i've talked about traitors on this show which is like basically the resistance or werewolf or whatever made into like a big budget reality tv show and it has that same thing where it's like people doing their solo talking to the camera about what they think is going on and it's an awesome format it's a flawed show for a few reasons but i think that uh it's like been a big enough hit that we'll keep seeing more and more stuff like that so if that would be my honest recommendation it would be if you're looking for something like that check out traders and see if you like that Hmm. um okay next solved another one dude we're doing great brendan what card sleeve thickness should you go for and this person is asking specifically in microns specifically in microns? <laughs> yeah in microns Brendan. you have that ability yeah to like 
Oh my! I, I have the answer for this one. If if you want to pass it to me, okay, you can. Yeah, yeah. What's the yeah, answer? What in this person is looking for, if you're asking this question in microns, is top loader sleeves. You know, the big, thick, chonky ones. That's the that is what you need to protect your cards to the maximum. If not that, I think just ship them off to be, get like graded and like you know, or maybe like pave them into cement or something. Okay, I do have sleeve thoughts. I don't have them in microns though. I don't have many so many. This is sort of the stand-in for sleeve. Actually, I have one other question. Maybe a follow-up on that. Do you sleeve or don't? Board games, no. No. Do you sleeve or do or you don't? Don't. Don't. Okay. (laughs) I'm also. I'm also don't. Yeah. I mean, okay. Prototype. Are you? Are you a once? A once were now don't. I'm a once was now. I, you don't. I mean, I've sleeved every trading card game in my entire life, and prototypes require me to have Ooh, sleeves. I do all the still time. sleeve some things, but yeah, not none of my board games. My board games, I'm just like, no, beat it up. I want to see it loved. I know. I love that, right? Nothing. Katina. Yeah. Stick it in the back of the car. Yeah, make it dusty. <laughs> <laughs> we can wait. Why are we waiting? We can manufacture this. Okay, wait, great. Jake, what's your yes. sleeve brand? I'm going to ask a silly question. If you, uh, if you got it, I have, what is it? I have like penny sleeves from like May fair i think but uh for like pro like good sleeves like prototyping sleeves drag or like collectible card game sleeves Easy. dragon, dragon shield. shields free rock yeah best sleeves if i'm going prototype though because then i don't really care i just want like lots of different card back colors probably to differentiate decks titan shields are fine also board games i feel like you just want thin cheap clear sleeve if i was going to sleeve a board game i would yeah. just want because decks get unwieldy yeah, yeah i just want like penny ish sleeves maybe slightly better dang i didn't need to know the micron count oh yeah brendan um more career advice people need career advice we're probably the guys to give it to them this person is a little bit longer one i'm decently happy in my career and make likely a slightly above average but not passionate about their job should i make a youtube channel (laughs) (laughs) what a u-turn no you (laughs) don't the answer is no if that's your premise if you think job and YouTube in the same in the same realm, and you're it was this posted to R slash board games also, Jake? It, yeah, it, it, like specifically, I, I uh, have oh some of this gosh. in ellipses. It was specifically about making like a board game review and play type of channel. Okay, I want to reach out to you across the airwaves and say you should absolutely pour your hobby heart passionately into a board game channel, but don't do it for money. Don't. Yeah, don't yeah, do that's it. what I thought don't too. I mean, like if you're opening it with like i make some this much money it's like you know like that's just so the wrong way to go about it are we, we have like a growing mildly successful board game podcast on our hands here um and, and we have some great patrons that help us to host our show on uh Podbean, which we use we also pay for kind of a premium on zencaster so we can record digitally and save me hours in editing um, you bought the mercedes yeah the mercedes uh, a couple <laughs> of mics uh, we flew brendan out to st louis for geekway and we've been doing this for like two and a half years and we're like well, what like five six hundred dollars in the red at this point yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's like at least at least so it's not it's not like a lucrative business over here but it's so much fun to make it i got some really good advice from kellen over at board game bras when we were kind of starting off where he sort of just said i I was kind of like oh like you know i'm ambitious i want to be like doing what y'all are doing like on like the stage at like these cons and all this stuff and his, his advice was basically like if there isn't joy in 
making the show, then like everything else is a wash. Like, yeah. And I've I learned, thought that was such good advice. So happy totally. to pass it on. I The biggest payoff of making anything should be joy. And also I've learned so much and had so much fun doing it. That's why you should do anything. Except your job. Do that for money. Yeah. Just great. Kidding. Just kidding. Uh, Brendan, <laughs> I mean, let's go. That's good. I think, you know, I think that's good. I think we nailed that one. Okay, let's go okay. on to some more serious questions though. Like, is it safe to buy board games on Amazon? I have bought board games on Amazon successfully. I do think there are sometimes like bad actors on Amazon, like any other kind of like online marketplace. I think that Amazon has some problematic business practices. So the answer is no. You should always support your friendly local game store and shame on you for asking. Yeah, watch out for porch pirates. You have to watch out for counterfeiters, supporting <laughs> billionaires. Run. No. Run. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I've check the reviews. Check the reviews. Okay. You, should, yeah. you should be good. Okay, Brendan, what are your thoughts on role-playing games like D&D? Mm, this is, uh, they're cool. I, I haven't really played many. I would like to. Is this, we're doing a serious question? This is a question. Somebody okay. asked. I thought we should solve it for them. Yeah, my my personal thoughts on role playing games is they're awesome. I think the the flexibility and freedom to sit around a table it's sort of one of the most unique rituals I feel like that have developed in sort of human culture as a formalized practice of of gaming together of like the last hundred years. I think it's so cool and I would like to do it more. I think it's really interesting. And it's always telling when culturally something that people do is talked about and known far beyond the people who would ever practice it. And I think that's true of role-playing games even more than board games. There aren't a ton of people who I run into who don't know what D&D is. Yeah, no, definitely. It has, if you're not aware, like the tabletop industry is so much more massive than like our board gaming hobby in its entirety uh i mean there's like major motion picture dungeons and dragons movie that just came out it was like actually really good (laughs) i really enjoyed it um and when you look at like in our even smaller subsection of like doing board game media in our small scale way compared to like and we we do decent like we're in the top i don't know 20 or so board game podcasts just by term in terms of like i don't know searchability like sheer numbers of weekly downloads and stuff but like you compare ours in our top shows to like uh critical role and stuff like that they're doing like hbo max shows it's just you know making literally millions of dollars a year where we're like you know we're just trying to put this thing up it's just you can't even compare them but that's a different question my thoughts is that i i've been playing dungeons and dragons a little bit this year for really the first time ever i've always been intrigued by it i think that it's really been a fun experience it's been a big learning experience like doing the actual role playing is way outside of my comfort zone so that's been a little bit challenging um to get into but i think there are also a lot of things that can that we as board game players can like adapt and learn from from the tabletop community which is kind of a more established space Mm -hmm. i know i don't know enough about it but it feels like perhaps and there's definitely like challenging things with that, with like representation and all that. Like, absolutely. But it does seem like there's some cool norms and practices around like trying to make sure people feel comfortable with various topics and like where a role play game might go. That's kind of more becoming more um, established and mainstream in the tabletop community that I think would be awesome if board gamers like sitting down 
especially if it's like a new group, maybe did a little bit of like norm setting of like, what are sort yeah. of our, our group norms and expectations going into this play that could help make sure uh, everybody in a game, maybe coming from more diverse backgrounds than we're used to in this like largely white dominated space uh, could feel more welcome and more included in the games we play. So I, I would love to see those best practices kind of adopted into board gaming circles more than they are now. Well put, Jake. Thank I, you. I also will say, I like art that makes me feel things. And I think lots of RPGs are structured at like, you know, in the wide, wide, wide world of role-playing games beyond Dungeons and Dragons are structured to make you feel. Th- I think that's really cool. Totally. Um, yeah, that's why I always tell my dungeon master is like, <laughs> Ricky, I want to laugh. I want to cry. If I'm not achieving that, then I think you're not doing your job well. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> then you slap the tissue box on the table. Yeah. You think I'm joking, but I do. I know you're not. Every time. Okay, Brendan, <laughs> let's get back to the serious questions. This person asks 10 players on gods of Egypt game. Basically, they want to have five merged gods set up and then play the game without the merge. So you have 10 people playing as two conjoined factions. Should they so do game, it? <laughs> this game supports two to five players, according to Board Game Geek. So this is undoubtedly an awesome idea. What you're going to do is you're going to set up two boards <laughs> and play separate games. And once you hit the merge, you merge into one board. What could go wrong? That's a cool idea. I like what that. What could go wrong? Yeah. I'm going to come down the other side and say, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> i you haven't played onk right jake no i have not i want to play onk we should play onk okay People seem to really like onk okay well how about this we'll play onk and then we'll get back to you so we'll table we'll put that one okay, in the that, parking that lot. question that's our gimme we're not we'll parking all that yeah. okay brendan to what extent has apples and apples apples two apples stood the test of time and is it still worthwhile today no no i mean maybe okay beloved family game apples to apples i mean uh, okay from the perspective of a recently a person who's recently become a parent not a parent a parent i could see wanting to like i could see my son at some point playing apples to apples and being like i'm glad you experienced that but i think there's probably better trivia games and probably better games it's not a trivia game it isn't it kind of like it's 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 cards against humanity but it's just, fam- Can we like just play family celebrity? friendly. It didn't stand the test time. It's rotten. Just play celebrity. Yeah. Rotten apples. Yeah, I think I think that the time for sort of for these games have has come and mercifully gone. I'd be lying if I didn't if I said I haven't enjoyed playing apples to apples in the Heck past. Yeah. And even Cards Against Humanities when I was like in undergrad and not really realizing the things about it now that I find like a little bit less savory. Um I think the problem with these games is like it takes all the jokes out of the player's hands. It just gives you jokes and then you just lay the joke down. And I think it creates the illusion that you're being really clever and funny, but it doesn't really in practice. You're not, you know, the game is giving you everything. And there are games where you can really give space, give prompts that allow people to be clever and funny and in, in a, like celebrity, right. In, in a more creative way that feels like a little bit more true to who people are. Uh, but that doesn't mean these games aren't funny, you know, but it's just kind of like once you've seen the jokes, like why do you playing it anymore? So just play celebrity. Actually, just be- take your copies of apples, to apples, cross, take some Sharpies and then use those to write the prompts for a game of celebrity. There you go. Still Perfect. useful. Still in vogue. <laughs> boom. Put them, slide them in the back of the sleeve. Boom. We got a prototype going. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, Brendan, does anybody else keep opening their raw deluxe box to just shuffle the tiles and coins? I sure would if I was still at Jake's house. He'd find me down in the basement just shuffling <laughs> tiles and shaking that bag. 
<laughs> do you, Jake? Are, no, I don't do that. That's kind of odd, in my opinion. I, I, I like the game. I like the <laughs> deluxe. I'm not just opening it just to, I don't know. I'm picturing like Scrooge McDuck, you know? If maybe if I had t- 200 copies of Raw and oh, I put all of them. the coins in a kiddie pool. That Now that now we've got uh, afternoon going, you know? But just, just to open it up to shuffle around the tiles and coins. Oh, no. Should I buy the deluxe edition for $120? Just, it's just you, man, and Brendan also. Yeah, yeah, just us. <laughs> And I, I, come find me at Jake's basement. Yeah, I don't remember what I spent on it. Maybe it was like 120 or whatever it was for the Kickstarter. I felt like it was more like 100. I have definitely gotten more play out of my copy of Raw than I have out of any other recent acquisition. I'm not totally sold on like the need for the deluxe version. I think the coins are actually kind of annoying. They're a little bit difficult for me to see. And the tiles are just super chunky that it almost again feels like like you know almost just a touch too much you know do we need this to be in a a terra mystica sized box but having like the boards and like the chunky wooden sun discs you need the chunky wooden sun discs for sure that's mandatory but i think that comes in the base game honestly i think the base game would be my recommendation i okay I just found it, Jake. Fantasy F- Windrider Games version, 2016, 40 bucks, like new board game geek. I'm gonna make the offer right now. <laughs> but I don't think that version has wooden sun discs, Brendan. Yeah, but it matches my other. other okay, perfect, great. Uh, unpopular opinion: most expansions make their games worse. Popular opinion. Correct opinion. I think. I'm yeah. so on team anti-expansion. There are select few that make games better, but and I think in almost all cases, those expansions make gameplay faster. Yeah. Yep. Like the prelude style expansion. That I like, but that's like an expansion that adds more content or makes the gameplays longer. I almost always don't like. At best, don't need. And at worst, that, think it makes it like actively worse. I agree that typically in your basic version of an expansion, a contraction, the, the expansion that makes the game shorter, like Mars Prelude, Terraforming Mars Prelude, are like the best version. But sometimes I like an expansion that just gives me more options, right? Like a yeah. monolith arena, here's an extra faction I can use. A cosmic encounter, here's 30 extra random alien powers. Great. But on the average, I feel like I want the game to stand on its own. I don't, yeah. it's already hard enough to teach a lot of the games I have. The last thing I need is to be like, okay, and now I'm going to teach you this new module that totally. i'm really excited to play yeah a hundred percent way worse yeah. there are the other category of expansions that sometimes i like are the ones that feel like it fills out the game mm. and it makes it it's like the game should have always been this so like norwegians for a feast for Odin. Sure. it's like, like a, a famous patch. example where people are like this is a patch yeah. and also like bruges has a patch basically a patch i mean it it's adds fine. an extra content but it's just so it's when you play it, you're like, this must have been designed like this and mm. then sold and packaged this way, you know? So if that's what's happening, so be it. But in both of those cases, it would have been much better if the game just had the, that version in the original box. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Solved it. Brendan, do you get defensive when someone dislikes your favorite games? Let me just, Babylonia sucks. I hate Babylonia. I don't want to play it ever again. That's okay. All right. No, no. I, I don't care. Dislike the things I like. I, it's fine. We can all like different things. 
things. It's okay. Key flower is bad. We definitely don't need to play okay, that anymore. Shut your mouth right now, Jake. <laughs> no, no, no. I am playing a game right now that was Tigers Euphrates, one of the most overrated games, if not the most overrated game of all time. I'm just like trying these on for size. You know? It's fine. It's yeah, fine. You, you seem fine. You seem yeah. fine. Okay, solve that one. Uh, no, we don't. It doesn't. The games I love aren't me. That's the mistake you can't make. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. They're just an opinion. You know, what are we doing here? Um, we don't have to take this all so seriously. But this is serious, Brendan, because a guy at Meetup keeps wanting to play worker placement games that are new to everyone but him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your thoughts? I mean, is that just the whole question? It's not yeah. even a question. They, there was like a whole story. That was okay. the title. It's The story is that, you know, this guy or this person goes to their meetup and somebody's always teaching a new worker placement game and they you know they're usually these complicated games and then that person probably wins and other people feel like they don't know all the rules and stuff do you know what would be great rank yeah. choice voting boom. boom problem solved problem solved i think that this sounds like often like maybe it's like a bad teach and guess what you don't have to play yeah. if you don't want to play so this seems like kind of a, you know, this seems figure outable between y'all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there you go. Suggesting different games. Last question. I don't enjoy hoarding games. Is this an unpopular opinion? No, this is a great opinion. I find owning too many games really stressful too. I have games that I will never play again that I want to get out of my house. I think that for whatever reason, there's this idea that you have to own things in our culture to like have an opinion and to validate your thoughts on them. And I don't think that that's true. But I think that especially as representations of people doing hobbies inside their private spaces have become increasingly public through things like YouTube and videos, whether it's retro gaming or board gaming or whatever the hobby is, having lots of stuff somehow became a stand in for I'm an expert. And I think it's really kind of toxic and not great. And it kind of messed up the whole way a lot of people, myself included for a while, approach hobbies and how we accumulate stuff. And I just want to say that owning things doesn't make you more right. Um, with that said, I like to have a nice little library of things that I can go back to and know that I can have on hand. And owning stuff sometimes does feel really good. So here and there. Um, but yeah, I think that this is something to really reconcile. That's a part of basically this sort of modern transition of media that we've gone through in a lot of ways changing how we think about our relationships to stuff because of how we see it represented in other people's spaces yeah i think board games is an especially tricky one i'm always so impressed when sometimes people in our discord will share their collections and it's people who are like huge game enthusiasts have played hundreds if not thousands of games and their collection is like 40 games yeah and, you know it's just the games that they really love all of them they can pull off the shelf they know the rules to them I think that is, you know, something that, you know, like that kind of minimalist lifestyle or minimalist perspective is something I've always aspired to, but not something I've really succeeded at. Um, a fantastic and, 40. Yeah. That's I what keep, I want. I keep my collection to like two Calyx shelves. Nice. And that, which is an absurd, that's like a hundred games. I definitely can't just pull any off and just know them. Yeah. Um, that feels like a good limiter for me. And I don't know that I would want it to grow beyond that, but it does get really hard when now that I have these games, like I was trying to call some games recently because of getting new games. And I kind of ran into some real sticking points. Like I have a, 
this game called Shade Spire, which is like a miniature combat game, which I don't play ever. But I like spent like a bunch of time painting the some of the miniature armies for it when I was just like trying out all different aspects of the hobby and didn't really stick with painting them. But I'm like, can I just like, A, is anybody going to want these like amateur painting paint jobs or like okay like i think they're cool like i worked on them but i'm not like a professional mini painter by any means and also like they kind of like have some sentimental i just get stuck on like sentimental value i'm like where it's like maybe i'll have a kid at some point in the future and then they'll be it'll (sighs) be like 10 years after that and they'll want to play this game with me and i'll be like when i was you know a young adult i painted these (laughs) you know like so now i'll just like hold on to it for the next 20 years or what i get that feeling all the time it's only it only gets worse when you have the kid it's like oh it's only a little longer it'll be big enough soon but i think ultimately too the flip side is like it is okay to own things it's not it's not bad like you should own the exact right amount of things for you yeah your life the other thing i want to say on this and this is like now it's a serious conversation which is in the board board game hobby i think people fall into a trap of like the first five board games you purchase are just like this excellent Mm. cost prop like value proposition because you're actually playing those games a bunch of times you know like i bought like castles of burgundy for like 30 bucks early on and then played it like 80 times and i was like wow that's the best 30 dollars i've ever spent in my life but then now when i buy new games it's like diminishing returns like i might never play that game like there are plenty of games i bought and literally just not played or played once and then it's like you know i'm not getting that you know 500 hours of enjoyment out of any subsequent game i ever buy yeah this copy of avalux in my hand linko that i talked about earlier just got so heavy yes yeah. yeah no i think that's a really good point jake it's it's so tough because it's kind of it's the tabletop conundrum all over again tabletop the will wheaton show we were talking about earlier um kind of to the nth degree and i think that ultimately for me it feels like i have to decide you know how happy does selling stuff make me versus just giving it away yeah of when i want to move on from stuff like is the value proposition there and I think as board gamers, sometimes it's sort of like, no, I must extract all value, every ounce of value from every everything I do always. And it's like, right. no, you, no, you don't. And it's maybe there's other types of value. And maybe one value that I have is just like moving on and passing those games along to someone who I think might enjoy them or just or not just getting rid of them. I think that's fine, too. Um, there's some of the games, you know, I'll send along to a good home. Awesome. Should- Brendan, we, we answered all of Reddit's questions. We, we did. That was a pretty fun episode. Very yeah. different than our normal did, ones. I don't know. I know we had like a whole silly questions channel in our Discord. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just save those for another time. Or were there any that you thought like we should definitely tack on to the very end of this episode? I Okay. Hmm. That's I think that there's something different about like finding questions in the wild. To me, that's like funnier than when people just like are asking funny questions. But there were some good questions in there. Okay, Jake, what would be the board game equivalent of a triathlon? Oh, man. See, this is way worse when I'm answering the questions. Off I was the you, yeah. you were dealing with this this whole time? Wow. <laughs> Oh, the turntables of turn a board gaming triathlon so okay so it has to be like three different genres of game i think i think one of them and they all have to be like kind of exhausting yeah okay so maybe one of them is twilight imperium for more of like your yeah right I'm, that's where we're going i think twilight imperium oh i got it it's like the imperium games so okay. twilight imperium imperial 2030 that feels like okay now we're moving from a more Amera style game into like this more like Euro hybrid zone. And then we'll finish off with what's another Imperial game, Brendan. This is Tyler territory. Oh, okay. I mean, you could do like Dune Imperium, like Imperium, Imperium, Imperium. 
Yeah, or you could play Through the Ages. Ooh, through the... That's another long one. Yeah, okay, mine, mine kind of broke down there. I think that you're onto something, though, that a board game triathlon definitely has Twilight Imperium. What are, like, the three played? most exhausting and yet different games that you've played? That I've played? Yeah, Twilight mm-hmm. Imperium could be one for sure. I mean, that that Imperial 2030 was, like, pretty... Gru- oh, my... Oh, wait, Millennium Blades. <laughs> you had to play Millennium Blades right after that. That's very different. What about... And then you just finished one of an entire campaign of gloomhaven <laughs> oh my god no that's too much that's too much we're not ultra marathoning here okay okay that's fair let's see i feel okay what would be the right you know okay we're also not taking into account run swim bike yeah that's why i was saying it had to be like different like i feel like millennium blades and twilight imperium are very different, different. and then maybe it really is like and then you just it. do an actual tri- triathlon because as we've already determined sports or board games oh. What about War of the Ring? Okay, that's good. Yeah. Or Lacerda, yeah. maybe one of those. Oh, Sneak one of those. Like there. on Mars. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah stuff because we have we we're not like the super heavy people. Like maybe like an 18xx game. We just haven't like yeah. played all of those. Okay. I think Pax Premier is another one that's just like super exhausting when I play it. I'm just like Ugh. yeah. Root. Just it's, uh, whatever. Pick three games that you don't like and are long. <laughs> <laughs> that's your like. You that's your triathlon. triathlon. Yeah. All okay. Right, yeah. So you solve that. What board game scaled up uh, would be best scaled up 100 times, as in a 50 meter long board if it was a half meter long board? My um, 50 time. I mean, my first thought is like Crocodile would be pretty sweet. I don't know how like far that is. Like, would I even? Whoa. Be, would I even like? They better really like grease that board if I'm going to be like subbing Flicky? these like yeah. huge components. Sounds pretty well, sweet. Probably most dexterity games would be like pretty fun. What about the what about non dexterity? A Euro game scaled up one hundred times a stretch or a card. Uh, game. I think something like El Grande would be really dope. You like have to climb up a ladder to like drop your cubes in <laughs> into the Castillo. Yeah, yeah if you're like great. running these around the whole like I don't know like gymnasium or something. That'd be pretty fun. What are your favorite? Yeah, no, you solved answered it. it. That was you solved it. Yeah. What's your favorite suit in Lost Cities? Uh, blue. Yeah, great. Okay, solved it. Um, imagine a board game mixing the last two games you play. Are you interested in that game? Okay, so the last two games I played was Keyforge and before Keyforge, maybe Tikal. I don't oh know hell I, yeah! Yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty. Tikal Forge. <laughs> I actually think the Keyforge house mechanism is strong enough that yeah, you can just put it with almost anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mashing that up with the action selection of Tikal, you could make something super interesting. Uh, great. Solved it. Yes, we'd play that. Let's see. Hmm. What's your best board game themed cologne called? Best board game themed cologne. Um, so that would be the uh, uh, dang. I'm trying. This is this is tough on the spot. My first thought was like something like something like the Nor like Norwegian or something. Because I was thinking of like <laughs> nothing says nice cologne like Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, kind of like sort of like foresty, like earthy pine note. But then I was thinking like Stefan Feld pun with like a scent. But then yeah. I couldn't get there either the smells of burgundy yeah that's not bad <laughs> okay <laughs> or just wingspan that's the name of the cologne oh, that's not bad meant to be uh, put under the arms obviously Twa uh, is pretty good too <laughs> just just european city names yeah what well, i don't <laughs> know why how about great western trail <laughs> it's just like cowboy cologne okay i feel like we okay I think we i'm not good at this one, one. not good i at think this we one. answered it okay let's see one more if you were expected to introduce a board game to an alien which board game would you pick 
Uh, definitely like, not Cosmic Encounter. That would just be wildly <laughs> no. offensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think board games are such a great like tool for learning and could be like a great way of like conversing, to be honest. Uh, so maybe something like, I think like communication could be a barrier here. So I think like maybe introducing them to like uh, rock, paper, scissors could be a really good way to like help them understand sort of like some of our human way of communicating and deciding things. I think that oh. uh, alien might get a real kick out of that. What if it just turned out rock, paper, scissors was like an, an, a, gla- a galaxy wide game, just a game that all cultures have discovered. I yeah, could see I, living in that world. That, that's all. That'd be awesome. I've been, okay. uh, I've been reading. Have you read Project Hail Mary? No. Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a really good kind of uh, science book by the same person who wrote The Martian. Okay. Um, and it has a lot of really interesting stuff that's relevant to this conversation, but I would be spoiling stuff. So that's a recommendation for Can, listeners of this podcast. I want to give two thoughts on this question and then we should cut it. Okay. What about the mind? That would be awesome. That's <laughs> be like, a great what are we one. doing? That rules. Yeah. And then I also want to play Can't Stop with an alien. But what if the alien had like such a wildly co- different concept of time? Time. So, so just sit there for like an hour <laughs> and then they're like, that play the two. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so funny? I also like can't stop. I think it would be hilarious because I've seen people get pretty mad playing can't stop. Yeah, I know. That might like end the world, you know? They'd be like, yeah. oh, there's nothing here worth salvaging because I just like busted again. <laughs> you you roll up with the resistance. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, well that was silly and fun. Um maybe a safer option is like a, a Lacerda. Uh but yeah, that was our silly questions episode. Uh yeah. Jake, we're supposed to this is we recorded two episodes in a row and it's showing. I'm just here yeah. like Woo. Ooh, yeah, we did it. Woo-hoo. We solved all Reddit's questions. We did a bonus episode. I think big things for us. As a reminder too, these bonus episodes, the topic gets voted on usually i don't know that it did did it for this one i think this one was not patreon i think it was because we i think we asked for like a certain number of reviews and we Uh, got we picked this one we chose this one but you says a lot yes it does that's why it turned out so zany but you can pick the next one because we're gonna be voting on what the next patreon bonus episode is we have uh, literally 29 patrons right now. And we actually, we got to 30. Yeah. So we already we? unlocked it. Okay. So we're doing it. Okay. But so we need our patrons to tell us what to do. Yeah, we need our, and if you want to participate in that vote, you could jump on and then also know that when we get to 35, there's another second bonus episode. It's just like bonus episodes all the way down, like World Yeah. Games. And they uh, only take us like four or five months to find time to record one. So it's like, it'll be coming imminently. No, no, no. We're good. We got one. We can do one a month. I think we can. Yeah, I think so too. Great. Okay. Well, okay, thank well, you. Thank you. No, thank you, Brendan, for talking. No, thank you, Jake, <laughs> for asking. And thank you for listening, listener. This was a, we delivered on the silly episode, silly question, bonus episode of Decision Space. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you didn't, this is nothing like any of our typical episodes. So go listen to uh, the 123 other episodes of Decision Space that exist up to this point. Uh, maybe even more, depending on when this goes up. Uh, and until next time, uh, we hope you enjoy that back catalog. We hope you enjoyed this episode and have a lovely time playing games. And we want to thank the Flash Floods for the intro and outro Ooh. music which we use for our bonus episodes flashy yeah in the song bye. is the palm of your hand love it bye y'all bye some people make a lot of money 
patience. 